Welcome to the Elevate Your Event podcast, where we talk about how to plan and execute an unforgettable event that will dazzle your guests and generate more income for your organization. From fundraising and securing trendy auction items to event production and logistics, get the best tips and advice from seasoned fundraising and event professionals who have been in your shoes. Welcome back to the Elevate Your Event podcast, where we talk about all the various ways that you can make your fundraising events better and raise more money. And we've got some amazing guests here today. We've got Kristen Wheeler. Kristen, why don't you introduce yourself? I'm Kristen Wheeler. I do marketing for Handbid now, but in a past life, I actually ran galas and walk events. And fun fact, I used to produce the local segments of the Jerry Lewis Labor Day Telethon. And look, and she is still smiling after all of that. (laughs) I bleach my gray hairs. (laughs) And Lori Mackay. Well, hello, I am Lori Mackay. And I've worked for Hambid for, I don't know, a while, five, six years or whatnot, but I do coaching sessions. I am a service person as well as an onboarding specialist. I've worked a bajillion events, I like to say. A bajillion. Lot. I'd like to see how that's spelled, but bajillion. I've worked quite a few events in, in all different venues, and uh, yeah, so now I just give my opinion. That's right. You share your wisdom with the world on the Elevate Your Event podcast, and we're happy to have you. I'm Jeff Porter, CEO of Hambid. I have been involved in fundraising events well before we founded Hambid. I was kind of thrown into that world in 2000. Well, 2006 was the one that I was directly involved in for the first time. And then we started two fundraisers that year. One was a golf tournament, and that was in DC. And then we had a gala event here, which started actually at my house. I was there. Yes. I was. I think I was at the first one. That's awesome. And from all of that experience, we ultimately created Hambit. So we've been you know, involved in fundraisers for, gosh, well over 15 years. But the topic that we wanted to talk about today, which is one that comes up a lot, is the classic run of show. We I should probably to... define what a run of show is. Yeah, we probably should. Yeah. So why don't you go ahead and give your definition of a run of show? It is a timeline of the evening how things are going to run and how it's going to look and where everybody should be. And you have to have sections of it for not just like kind of what the sequence of events are for your fundraiser, but it might be what your video crew needs to be doing or your audio crew or who's supposed to be on stage speaking and what the lighting package needs to be at that point in time. So there's a lot that goes into it depending on what kind of event you're having. And I learned a lot of this the hard way. I remember when we first did, we moved from the Cable Center in Denver with our event to Infinity Park. And if you guys are from Denver, Infinity Park has this amazing AV system. It's got these wraparound walls where you can put video that wraps around the entire thing. You can have like different things showing on different screens. They have lighting that uplights and downlights and you name it. And I go in there to meet with the lady and she's like, I'm going to need to run a show. I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> she's like, I need, need to run a show. I need to know, like, we're going to sit down right now and design all your lighting packages. So you're going to show like, we're going to show the logo here and we're going to have this thing going here and we're going to have this video playing and that's going to be package A and package B. And so we put it all together mm-hmm. and then I had to come back to her and say, okay, at this time when these things happen, you need to show package A. And it was pretty impressive. Like, I mean, boom, there it went. Package A shows up, right? Like the red lights go up, the logo goes up. So 
I learned a lot through that process of saying, okay, I need to take this and go to the next level with it. Like we need to really kind of map out mm-hmm. our event. And, and we've learned from plenty of clients as well, you know, who have been in that space. We did one fundraiser with a church and churches are really good at this, mm. right? Because they run a service, right? And so they have to know, like, and you'll see if you go to certain church services, they've got the timer in the back and, you know, you can see how much time's left and whatnot. So all of those things are important. So we've kind of discussed in general what a run a show is, and I'm sure a lot of our guests want to know, okay, so what should go into it in terms of like, what's the order of events? So maybe let's go back to the fundraiser topic and talk about on the fundraising side, you know, we get this question a lot. What should be the order of events? Everything from opening an auction to registration to what? You want to give your thoughts on that? Or? Well, if we're going to start with the whole thing, I'm going to say tickets, yep. opening up tickets and event promotion. I like tickets about two months out. Okay. I think that that's usually a good time, but really it's really about your venue and when you need to have last minute guest information to your caterer or whatever. There's a lot of factors that go into that, but a couple months out, start promoting your pro, start promoting your event and get people involved buying tickets. If you sell tickets. Okay. What do you think should happen next? Silent auction. Silent auction. Silent auction should open. I like a week before five days. Okay. Yeah. What do you think, Kristen? You know, I, I like I like five days. I think seven is too much. Mm. It, seven feels like it would be the right answer, but I think it's I think it's too much. I think well, you have to have all your items up. <laughs> sense of, exactly, exactly. And I don't I don't know about anybody else, but I I sure haven't been up until two o'clock in the morning entering silent auction items into the system for my events. Yeah. Never, never. <laughs> Also, let's point out the fact that if you do open up a silent auction early, you can relieve yourself from having to have everything in there. You can have some items that you hold back, that you peel back, and you wait to release those until maybe one or two days in. Or, hey, we've just now opened up the sports category. Or if you're a school, parking spots. Okay, so something along those lines. And you can always tease your items before Mm -hmm. the auction actually opens, especially the the big ticket ones that you want people bidding on to give a sneak peek so that people can download their apps and get their bidding in order so that that way when it opens, the bids start coming in and you don't have people perusing, you have them ready to bid on the things that they want. Yeah, I love that idea. And look, it's going to take a lot of stress off you when you get to the day of or night of your event, that you're not staying up till two in the morning, snapping photos of items and loading them into software to get ready for your auction because it's been open for a few days. Or navigating questions when you're trying to run an event. Yeah. You're navigating basic questions that you probably could have mitigated a week before if people were looking at the items. So you also want to make sure you got those cool items in there and that there's interest, that you're promoting it. Why should they bid early? Maybe give some incentive there too. Maybe have an item that's only open before your event. Something that's going to get people in there registered and comfortable with the software and the items prior to the event. Makes sense. Okay, so we've got two months out. We'll start to sell tickets we're about a week out. We've got our silent auction up and running. And just full disclosure, I'm not sure I've even been able to get my silent auction oh, open a week on. in advance. <laughs> so anybody on this call. Goals. Yes. Goals. If you do it, you're way better than we are, for sure. Give okay. your life in order. That's right. So the silent auction's now open. And so what, what do you think is next 
on that spreadsheet or that Word doc that you run a show? When your event's going to start? Like okay. if you're having an actual event? Okay. So live event? All right. So I don't think we're going to totally dive into what day of the week you should have your event. You probably, that's going to probably be driven by a number of factors, including seasons and when the venue has availability and your budget and whatnot. But but let's just say, okay, so we're going to have a night event. Mm-hmm. Okay. Run of shows for day events are a little different, but but the order of things is going to be the same. So, so we're going to do a night event and say it's a Saturday night. Okay. So what do you typically see happen? I would say even a few days before yeah. in your run of show, you are – talking about communication about the things that we've talked about in a previous episode about where to park and what to do when you get there what to bring if you if you're sending text messages or emails where does that go in in your programming because that is that is marketing and communication but it's also programming I agree that's makes perfect sense so you don't want people texting you at three o'clock on Saturday asking you where they're supposed to park right okay they should have already gotten that email or that text message with that information. So a couple days in advance, you're going to give them the, hey, you're going to bring your phone fully charged. Here's where you're going to park, right? And then here is a general agenda of when things happen. And especially if you're doing something like we've seen a lot of VIP reception or something that's early, okay? Plenty of people do that. You have to let your VIPs know, right? And you have to be prepared for that because you're going to have people showing up early in maybe a special room or a special session while you might have registration starting somewhere else. Yeah. What are some of the things that you can offer at a VIP reception? So you'll have, like, if you have a celebrity coming, you'll do a meet and greet. You might have access to, you know, we did, like, there was a wine slash, like, bourbon type event we did, and they got access to some of the more premium stuff at this VIP reception, access to silent auction items, that were only in that room mm-hmm. that closed at that VIP reception. I've seen speakers come and give a presentation, yeah. book signings. Yeah. I've seen that. Yeah. I mean, really, if you just give some really good drinks, have a special space for them, make them feel special. So let's talk about Hambit for a second. If we're going to come staff your event, we're typically there 90 minutes before your first check-in. So if you are doing a VIP reception, we could be there 90 minutes before that. Or if you're just doing a general registration, we'd be there 90 minutes before that, getting everything prepared in the check-in area. Different topic. But just making sure everything is good to go. I like to put in my run of show at that same time that we're doing last-minute checks on Internet, any other issues that we have. You've already done a walkthrough. We probably should have talked about that. There's you've, so much. Right, I know. You've already done a walkthrough. You've walked through with your caterer. You know what's going on there. You already um, know if you have Wi-Fi. You already know if you have Wi-Fi. You already know if the cell signal's good. But it's always good to do one last-minute check. And what I like to do with that check 90 minutes or two hours in advance is also make sure that the IT person, whoever's responsible for the Internet, you know who they are and you know how to get a hold of them. Mm, okay? Very good. And I'm just assuming you're doing mobile bidding because, you know, vast majority of people that we know today do. But it is important to have, if you're going to do mobile bidding, you have to be able to connect to the internet. And so whether it's cell phones or Wi-Fi or whatever, it's good to know. It's good to find out and kind of get that list of who do I call when people, Mm -hmm. right? So checklist, who's the venue manager? Where's the head caterer? Where's the tech guy? Where's the auctioneer? Where's the auctioneer? Auctioneers don't always show up. They like to show up. (laughs) I was just going to say, auctioneers like to show up like five minutes before. That's right. Just know that in your run of show. (laughs) In your run of show, 
maybe not in your run of show, but maybe in your planning <laughs> document, please talk to the auctioneer before the event, like days before the event. Make sure they're bringing their own paddle numbers in most mm-hmm. cases. You know, so you're, and if they're not, that you've A, agreed to that, and B, that you have them. Because to your point, they're not showing up 90 minutes before <laughs> registration. They're going to show up five minutes before dinner. <laughs> yeah, they're stars. They're really good at what they do. They've yeah. got it to a science. That's right. Yep. Okay, so VIP reception. Mm-hmm. We talked about when you or when you would not have that. We've also, you've all agreed with us. All of the listeners on this podcast have agreed. You're going to check them all in at mm-hmm. VIP. So now we have registration. And I would say, what do you guys think? I, if we're doing a night event, 90% of the ones I've been to, registration's around six. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, six for pretty much every one. I'm yeah. trying to think if I've done an earlier one. Six is the standard time. Yeah. I would say. And how long do they run? Oh, well, I'd like them to be at least an hour of check-in. Okay. I'd like a check a check-in for an hour. Yeah. If it's a small event, maybe you don't need a full hour. But yeah. But most of the events we work that have several hundred mm-hmm. people, it's going to take you an hour. So. So what you're suggesting then is if you're if you're if you're asking guests to move on to the next stage of the event, please don't do that before seven. Mm. And when we say move on to the next stage of the event, like don't make them all sit down and start eating at seven. Is that what you're suggesting? Or? Right. Okay. No, I would say have that scheduled in so you know what what everybody is doing from six to seven because you've always got the people that show up at five forty five for a six o'clock event. Yeah. arrival including your board members including and they, that's normal yeah. and so they arrive you got to have something for them to do so that should be part of your run of show what are they going to do while everybody else is checking in are they going to have drinks are they going to have photo booths are they going to have silent snackies? auction area silent auction area yep we'd like that that makes sense okay so you have to assume that some people are going to arrive let's just say at six okay all the way up to 659 mm-hmm. okay so if they're arriving at 6.59 and you check them in, we would I would recommend you still give them some amount of time to hit the bar, check out the silent auction area before you're asking them to move on to the next stage of the event. So in this case, maybe, maybe that next stage starts at 7.30? Yeah, 7.15, 7.30. I think that would be good. Well, I think there's the run of show that you have on your paper that you give to the venue and you know sort of keep internally and then there's the run of show that you give your guests and those could be a little bit different so I think it's good to add a cushion so you tell guests that registration is from six to seven but you and your staff or your volunteers know that really they have until 7.30 because you don't want to be, you don't want to feel stressed and rushed and you don't want to rush your guests to go on to the next thing. And I think it's 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 important to be careful about the order of your activities so that there is time to maybe you're if you're having a dinner there's lots of time for them to get their dinner and sit down and settle before your next formal sort of hard start event happens yeah i think that's an important comment is the concept of slack and understanding that you're going to need you cushion slack whatever you i think project managers call it slack you need to have a little bit of margin in your run of show, if you have everything butting up against each other, you're going to be a ball of stress when things run late. And all you're going to hear is, we're running late, we're running late, we're running late. Right. And that's, you don't, 
you want to enjoy yourself at your event. And you right. want to set the expectation for your guests, too. Of course, I automatically think of galas, but if you're running some kind of conference or a convention or you have a set of speakers, guests get really annoyed when you're running behind the schedule that you printed to them. Well, that's even better. Maybe we don't put times on a printed program. Right. You know, so that there is no expectation on the guest to be like, we're running yeah. late. Supposed to be doing live auction right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> There's and, always you know, those people, right? I ran a derby event for, oh my gosh, what, 12 or 13 years. And the only thing that really, there were a couple things that really mattered in those times had to be on the run of show because there's a horse race and it starts in Denver about 4.50 p.m. every year. Now, it does run a little late because you have to shove horses into this these things and it has to start the race. And so if there's any delay in that, it can go off at 4.55, 4.56. But it's still in that general time frame. So we have to close betting at a certain time. And then all we would say after that was after the race. Everything was after the race. <laughs> After the race, this is going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. After that, this is going to happen. So sometimes you can get you, you can give yourself all the slack you want. So after registration, we're going to be seating around seven thirty. You know, if you're doing a plated seated dinner, it does take longer, and you have to start asking yourself, based on the type of meal you're having, do I want waiters walking around picking up plates and dropping plates in the middle of a presentation that's going on? So you're going to have to, and if you're at a hotel, you know, you'll have to work with the hotel staff. If you're working with a caterer, you're going to have to ask them, like, when are you going to be dropping and, and pulling plates so that I know I don't want them doing that in the middle of my tearjerker video right. or my executive director's talk or whatever it might be. So you're going to have to plan that out. Right. I don't know if you guys have had any experience. So maybe you're not eating, but are you drinking? Is the bar open? Yeah. Yeah. Do you close the bar right before the presentation? I've had many, many people do that. And in a lot of cases, that is very helpful. Auctioneers like the bar closed. In most cases, they're going to ask you to do that, especially if they're doing a paddle raise and they want people paying attention. I like it when the bar is closed. I like it when they have a, a cocktail hour where this is drinking time. This is time to drink. And then now we're going to close the bar for this portion of the program. And then we're going to open it back up for party time after, Mm -hmm. like celebration after. I've done events where bar was closed and it was just impossible to get people to settle down and stop talking. And Mm -hmm. it it got to the point where it was it was rude. And we had a 15 year old speaker and the MC kept having to get up and say, can everybody please be quiet? Mm. We need to hear her message. And and the, the show, the, the program, the presentation was constantly interrupted by people talking and by people asking them to stop talking. So I would love to hear from you on what your pointers are to get people to oh boy. settle down a little I, bit. I have seen some some interesting ways. Okay. I'm not the big glasses, ding, ding, ding thing. There's people that do that. But I've seen auctioneers shush the crowd. (laughs) And I've seen that done in really tasteful ways. And I've seen it done in really rude ways, all with the same objective. Hey, look, we do need to quiet the crowd down. We have a presentation. You're here for a reason. So, you know, it's, it is tough when guests are making a lot of noise. But the ones that I've seen work really well is when that auctioneer gets off the stage or the MC gets off the stage, walks through you know, the tables that are seated and just starts talking and talking about what's coming next and whatnot. Because 
as they get closer to people that are talking, those people start to pay attention. So mm-hmm. I think sometimes you can just kind of like indirectly redirect people to the stage or, or whatever, but it's, it's tough. I mean, I've been in plenty of them where I just felt bad for the charity because it could not get the crowd to be quiet. I mean, do you think that that has to do with maybe the run of show then? I mean, do you feel like those events that typically have that issue are, you know, maybe had too long of a cocktail hour or maybe they riled the crowd up, you know, with something and then are asking them to now be quiet? Do you think that that's a run of show thing? Or worse yet, when you've been there for two hours, right, because they're not getting to the program. Yeah. Right? There's too much. It's and an then art form. It's for like sure. a wedding where you go to a wedding and you're waiting so long for the bride and groom to come that you're like, Yeah, what the heck? Is- <laughs> <laughs> so you do have to be cognizant of these people are there for your fundraiser. So with the run of show, I mean, yeah. the presentation can be done at the beginning, then a little bit at the middle. Right. And then at the end. So then yeah. you keep, especially for the ones that have really yeah. long. Benefit auctioneers are good at this, but yeah. I mean, the ones that we work with that are good are really good at this. And that is really starting to kind of warm the crowd up or kind of concentrate the crowd mm-hmm. by playing a game. Yeah. Like a heads or tails Games. or whatnot. That actually does a nice job of getting people focused up front. And then from there, I would always do that first. And most auctioneers, I think, would recommend that. Hey, let's go play a game with the crowd. And then once the game is over, then we can move into other parts of the program and you get to decide. And that's the next thing we should talk about, which is, okay, so the next part of the program, we have a program, a paddle raise and a live auction. And mm-hmm. what are your thoughts, Lori, on, and we're going to ask you next, Kristen, so get ready. <laughs> what are your thoughts on what order those should go in? Because we get asked this question a lot. A lot. Okay. So I like a little program and then I like a live auction. Okay. You know, with the game beforehand, I like a game beforehand, live auction, and preferably not with 500 live auction items. Very particular. We can talk about that in another podcast. <laughs> live auction. And then right after the live auction, I like a good, solid ask. Usually a loud video of some sort, something that brings people in, centers them, and prepares them for a paddle raise. And I like a good, really good video with a good message, like okay. clear <laughs> can, I, can I throw another twist into that? Yes. This part, it's another part of the question. I totally forgot to ask earlier. So when do you close your silent auction? <laughs> I'm scared to answer this question <laughs> because honestly, I really think Jeff and I have a little bit of a different opinion on this. I like the silent auction to close before the live auction and paddle race. Okay. I accept your answer. I, I differ, but we're going to come back to that. I do, I do disagree. But let's hear from Kristen first, and then and then we'll come back to me. Okay. okay. No, I agree. I like I like to insert portions of the program into insert act. I should say it backwards. I like to insert activities and interaction in between the the program as we would call it with videos and and a speaker and information so it's it's sort of you got to get them standing up or interacting and then you got to get them settled Mm -hmm. down and again that's an art form but i think never underestimate the power of dimming the lights and turning on a powerful video Mm. before your paddle raise before your ask and before your speaker i think that that can be another way to crowd control is okay, we're doing a video. Here's your chance to sneak out. If you have to 
use the restroom or do something and then everybody's kind of quieted down and the lights come up on your speaker. Yep. No, that makes sense. What about when you close the silent auction, Kristen? Yeah. She, did she see her dodge that question? <laughs> that depends. What does Kristen think? I actually think that you're both right, because I know what Jeff's answer is, because <laughs> I listen to the podcast. I, I actually think that you're both right, but I think it depends on how long your program is. Yeah. You don't want people to leave during your appeal to go pick up their silent auction items, but you also want to give your checkout staff and volunteers enough time to gather the auction items and get ready for checkout. So it's going to depend on the length of your program and also how large your silent auction is. It is tough. It is tough. And so we'll come back to that because there are pros and cons to both. Okay. So I love the video before the speaker too. Because mm-hmm. I think it does set the mood of the crowd if that's the type of speaker you're going to have. If your speaker is not related to your charity, and I've seen that too, then maybe the video after that would be the better way to go. But I am a fan of, A, if you're going to do a program, and you should, keep it short. Please, I mean, unless this speaker is, is part of your program. Like if this speaker is part of the reason why everybody's coming, and I did do an event once, and it was a Navy SEAL, and he got up, and it's the guy that had shot Osama bin Laden, and he had people glued to his seats, wow. and people would, did not move for 45 minutes, okay? Now, as soon as he was done, they're trying to move on to the program, and 300 people run to the bathroom, right? Mm-hmm. But So you just have to know, okay, how long is this guy going to speak or this person? And know accordingly, like how you're gonna how you're gonna accommodate that because if you are gonna have something that a segment that long, you're gonna need to give people a, a bit of a break. But so I like the, the the video and then and then a short program, you know, with short speeches, and then I actually like the paddle raise before the live auction. Interesting. And not really? everybody does it that way, but I think you connect it to your program. So I don't think it matters to me. Like, here's two things I think of as a charity. So the first is, is yes, I've got somebody and they're probably one of my wealthier donors and they're in the room and they're probably going to bid on that trip to, you know, Tahiti or something. Okay. Um, But they might also donate 10 grand to me too. And I'd rather actually get the 10 grand than them buying the trip to Tahiti, which unless it was fully donated to me, I'm praying... I'm paying a consignment cost on. So, but I, honestly, those are coming out of different parts of their budget anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, people's discretionary income and, and vacation income is it is it they're going to go on vacation and they're going to spend money to do it. And then if they love your organization, they're going to donate to that as well. So, just keep that in mind. But I do think it's interesting to do a paddle raise first and capture those people, then do your live auction. And, I'll, and you're going to see why here in a second. You're going to have a much smaller audience for your live auction. Let's be honest, right? Not everybody's going to participate in it. And a lot of people who have zero desire to spend thousands of dollars in your live auction, you're asking them now to sit there for 15, 20, 30 minutes. Or longer. Even even if it's entertaining. That's true, yeah. To get to the paddle raise, and then you're going to close your paddle raise. And I do think you close your silent auction late. And the reason why you close it late is because people do leave. And you don't want them leaving. Now, if you close it after you're live, you've already entered your appeals. Right. And now the people that want to leave, that don't want to participate in live, you've got all that stuff ready for them and they can check out early, even if the silence not done. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my, and, and then, okay. So someone who didn't win some, maybe they weren't, you know, maybe a theory is wrong and they only have a budget of a certain amount of money and they didn't win something in the live. 
have that auctioneer go back and do another quick ask. If there was something in the live that you were hoping to win and you didn't have an opportunity to win, you know, you know, either go into your mobile bidding app and make a donation, or you know, if you'd like to, you know, pledge a donation right now, we'll you know we'll take it. And there's a variety of ways they can either ask at a level or they can just have people, you know, come up to them or whatever. You can hand out donation cards, you know. So anyway, that's kind of the the play I like. So going back through, okay, so you're eating and you're doing your thing, then you do your short program and then you do your paddle raise and then you do your live. And at the end of your live, you close silent with it. And at that point, you've entered your appeals, everything's good. And the only thing you have left to do, which you probably, like I know our staff does this, they're entering live winners on the fly, right? It's, and, and literally you can walk up to them with an iPad and swipe their card right at their table and take care of everything right there. So I think that makes for a cleaner checkout too. Anyway, so yeah. there was my long answer. I like that perspective. It's I don't know one. if he's right. Yeah. It's a good point. You <laughs> well, decide. Hey. You decide 2023 how you're going to. Yeah. One of the things to consider, too, a lot of the events I'm working now, we have big concerts. We have big speakers that are coming. Those people, I mean, my opinion on that is they should be at the end. Yes. yes. No matter what, it should be at the very end and whether you close your silent auction before you have the speaker or before you have the concert or you run it through it should still be the last thing yeah yep we had the frontman of country and yep. so we close they came on stage at ptsd from this event but <laughs> they roughly came on stage about 8 30 or 9 and and that was it we everything was closed by then right we were we knew at that point let's close out the silent no one's leaving they're all going to want to watch the concert and that actually worked pretty well yeah I, I prefer that. And then if you want to leave early, it's okay. You have a checkout team that's there and they're missing out on the concert or, you know, hopefully not a speaker because that's a little strange, but a concert, they can leave whenever they want. Yeah. And then you can have your after party. Mm-hmm. So or the concert so, is your after party. So it could be if you're having a concert, but <laughs> you don't want to spend lots of money on a national band or whatever. <laughs> you can do just an after party. So describe the after parties you've seen. Oh, well, I mean, most of it's just a continuation of the party. The celebration has happened because of the money that they've raised. And then now they're all just celebrating. And the best ones are the ones where the board and the people that have been the face of the fundraising and the volunteers and everybody are just enjoying themselves as well. Like they all just kind of go right out to the dance floor and they start dancing and partying because people love that. You know, yeah. they, they love seeing the people that are really involved in the fundraising let loose a little bit and have a little bit of fun. Okay. Well, here here's some other things that I love about After Party. I would do it in a different spot. Ooh. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, I'm, this is taking the After Party to a new level. So you don't, if your budget doesn't account for this, that's fine. But put it in a new, same area, same building, just like. You say, say you're in a hotel, maybe it's in a different room. Maybe you brought in a new entertainer. Maybe there's a DJ in there, okay? And then I think I think you serve pizza. I like, was just about to say that. Some of the, I had Chick-fil-A at one of my Yes, guests. Chick-fil-A. Oh, they just had yeah. a big thing of Chick-fil-A that they rolled in. Oh, so good. And they got it donated. People love that stuff at the end of the night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they love it. Yes. And who's to say your after party can't be an extension of your VIP? It could be. I mean, it could be your VIP thing. Yeah. It could be something to treat them special. So if they want to stay late. Yeah. I guess you could even make it part of your ticket package. 
and then you could sell tickets to your after party at your event for those people who didn't buy them the first time. We uh, did a surprise after party. Oh, it was yeah? sort of a surprise. We knew that people knew that there's always something yeah. at the end after the emotional program. But we did sort of a, a surprise where we had the curtains up on the stage. And once all the totals were in and, and the program was over, it, it's one of my favorite things ever. It's called a kabuki drop. <laughs> we got to work with a, a theater production company because our venue was at the, the performing arts complex. So all these people knew kind of what we were going for. And it's called a kabuki drop. And curtain just drops from end to end just drops vertically it doesn't open it just drops and the band was there and they started playing and you could do like confetti and all kinds of things they started playing a pink song and everybody was on their feet it was so much fun (laughs) that sounds like fun that sounds awesome yeah i like a kabuki why weren't we invited to kristen's events i don't know what's up with that i don't know Different podcast. It's a good time. (laughs) That's a good time good time so let's talk about a couple of other twists Okay, there's a few in there. The one that I want to bring up is working with your auctioneer on the, your auctioneer's program, and that includes the paddle raise, and it includes the live auction, right? Because you made a very good point. It takes time to go through live auction items, especially if this auctioneer likes to talk. And I've been to a few where it's like a comedy show up there between two auctioneers, and like it's eight minutes in, and we've gotten through one item. Yeah. And I'm looking over at the client thinking – we need to like pick this up. So there's a, you need to know how many items are going to be in your live auction. And then the other thing is, is there's a, there's a popular fun, you know, I would say appeal thing called a runaround or there's a variety of words for it, but I think that I tend to call it a runaround. And that is where you have a prize and then you typically set a low donation amount, like 50 or a hundred dollars. And you start an ask, And the last person, last man standing, I think is another one they call it. So the last person to donate wins the prize. But you can donate over and over and over again, right? And so they'll do it, and they'll say, bidder 232, and then it's silent, and they're like, going once, going twice, and then another paddle comes up. Okay? (laughs) They're a lot of fun. I will tell you, though, they take a long time. A long time. Mm -hmm. Okay? Now, that sounds great. Like, every 30 seconds that I'm extending this, obviously, people are donating, and that is awesome. I'm just warning you, though, when you're looking at your run of show and trying to get everything down to the, you know, minute or second, just know that those things can really stretch out. Mm-hmm. And if you do them first, those people are also – they were maybe just as likely to donate 500 or $600 to you. They just did it now in six $100 increments in the attempt to win a prize. So anyway, I just want to throw that out there because I've seen that kind of put a twist to things. And you don't have to do all the things. You can be selective. Mm -hmm. You don't have to do a live auction. You don't have to do a paddle raise. You don't have to do a runaround and a heads or tails. And then, I don't know, drawings. Drawings. I I was going to say the other word. (laughs) The R word. (laughs) The R word. I mean, you don't have to do all the things. Okay, so really strategize what's going to be best. You know your people the best. You know what they enjoy and what they like. If you're running an auction with 15 auction items and five people are bidding on them, then all the other people are just sitting there watching five people bid on something. So, you know, maybe try something new. Try something different. There's all different ways to peel in fundraising at an event. I worked an event that I loved um, that was 
they peeled in auction items in between a dance contest that they were running. Oh. And so it was a, it was, you would have loved it, Kristen. Kristen would have loved this. It was a, so you think you can dance, or not so you think you can dance. What's the other one? Anyway, celebrity dancing with- Dancing with the stars. Dancing with the stars for local celebrities in a, in a big city. Oh. And so they had a dancing with the stars and in between they auctioned off auction items. And it was so fun and everybody was into it. And it was loud, but everybody still did it. It was really cool. So, oh my gosh, there are, lo- there are local celebrities that I would like. They could auction off the bow tie that they wore when they were there <laughs> dancing, and I would be like, <laughs> "So that's a fun. It was a fun, fun, fun event to work." No, that's a good point. You don't have to do all of it, um, and we've talked about this in the past. Silent auctions and live auctions do appeal to different types of people. Obviously, some both. I mean, they're going to have both on there. But, you know, the auction, the live auction people are the, they're your ego driven people. They want everybody in the room to see how much money they're spending. And so it's it's good to take advantage of that. Your silent auction bidders tend to be more your bargain hunters. And so you just have to kind of keep that in mind when you're thinking about, like, do I want to do both of those or not? Paddle raise, like, paddle raise is important. I think the other thing I would note on a paddle raise is you have to understand how much money you have in the room. And kind of where you want to start things, and if you've got, it's not, it's fine if you have sponsorships of five or ten thousand dollars or more. If you want to recognize them through your paddle race, you can do that. You don't have to get them. Sometimes they're not going to want to stand and be recognized, but you can throw a paddle up in the back and just say, you know, thank you, yeah. Jim and Sally Smith, or something like that, or they're thank f- you, Paddle Two Thirty Two, and that'll warm the room up too. I mean, you, paddle race is an art, and you have to be real careful with it. It's really awkward to go 20, 10, 5, and have zero people donate. So you have to know that stuff. Yeah, there are a few things more awkward at an event than calling out a number and yeah, nobody. That will take no. your momentum. All the momentum that you built up can be destroyed with yep. with that moment. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, it's, it's, you know, it's not a run a show thing, but just kind of keep that in mind when you're kind of setting your levels with your auctioneer. Your auctioneer should guide you through that process anyway. If you have an auctioneer, that we should do a podcast on that. Should I hire a benefit auctioneer? The short answer is yes, but but there's a long answer to that too. No, I think that, I mean, for a typical gala, I mean, the event run of show from beginning to end, cocktail hour, dinner, live auction paddle, and end, right? Yep. A little presentation in Check between out. there's what, yeah. three hours typically? Yeah, I would say if you're doing registration at six, that it's can, it, it's typical that you're closing your silent at nine or nine thirty, mm-hmm. which means everything's kind of done by then. People don't want to unless you're doing a really fun after party. People don't want to stay longer than three and a half four hours. I would think. Yeah. Right. So that's six to ten, and people should be out. I mean, checkout should be at you know nine thirty to ten or ten fifteen or something, and people can. Mm-hmm. get in their Ubers and go home. And then there's stuff that you do afterwards. I don't tend to put it in my run of show. You know, there's the whole post-event reconciliation, cleaning up stuff. The people that left early, they didn't pick up their stuff. The people whose credit cards ultimately got declined when they tried to charge $45,000 on it. Any- Always send a thank you. Oh, yeah. of course. Totally forgot that. Mm-hmm. Definitely you need to thank your guests. And that needs to be part of, you know, I would run a show, not run a show. It needs to be part of your process. And not just are you thanking your guests. You need to be thanking the donors who donated auction items. 
your committee who came and helped you run your event, and anybody else that volunteered or participated, you need to thank them. And then you also need to wrap up with every single one of your vendors. You need to reach back out to your mobile bidding company if you used one, and you need to talk about what worked and what didn't work. They want to hear from you. You need to do the same with your caterer. You can't just walk away from folks frustrated, not frustrated, because they're not going to get better if they don't hear from you. A thank you slash feedback stage is a good way to wrap it up and also probably to wrap up this podcast. Yeah, Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. (laughs) It has been a pleasure chatting with you ladies about this. And we hope that you guys found this information helpful as you're thinking about and planning your next event, that you think about putting that paddle raise ahead of your live auction. Or not. (laughs) (laughs) All right, until next time. (laughs) 